The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Tuesday, February 26, 2019, and you are tuned in to my favorite half hour in podcasting. This is the show that I enjoy doing the most. You are tuned in to HTM Sports. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day. Give it up for the man, the myth, the legend, the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to HTM Sports. It's me, it's me. It's that R to the B to the V. Back again, hashtag HTM Sports. Jargo, you're claiming this is your favorite of our podcast, your favorite half hour well, I got good news for you, brother. This is going to move to second because uh, I think next month we're going to launch a half hour worth of women's wrestling, y- your favorite topic on the planet. Oh, boy. I can't hardly wait. I'm just thrilled about that one. Can I not be on that show? Can you just do that one by yourself? It's, 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 no, it's called Jargo's Half Hour of Fantastic Female Wrestling. I mean, you're in the title. It'll just be me sitting here blankly at a screen, shaking my head for a half hour. Uh, kind of like it was uh, the other night, Huckleberry. I, I tuned into the Duke game, and of course I tuned in late because I was sleeping before I went to work, and I saw the score, and I was just like, "What? what what's going on? Because I tune in, we're getting whipped by Carolina, and my brain wants to explode. And then I found out that what one of my worst nightmares was coming true. Zion Williamson had been injured. They carted him off with a knee injury. Oh, my God. And then I saw the video of the exploding shoe. That's right. We're leading HTM Sports with exploding shoes this week because Nike has never gotten so much bad publicity. Their, their publicity was so bad this week, Rick, that their stock price dropped by a dollar. I was going to say it, it moved. It moved a little little south, you know, then it did move north when they had their Kaepernick stunt. Uh, so, hey, any any pub, uh, I guess, you know, the old saying, I'm a marketing guy, any pub is good, is good pub, but not so much for Nike stock. But, yeah, you know, this this has been the talk around the college basketball world. Kind of shook it to its foundation, and especially for us Duke fans, you know, I mean, this is almost, you know, as I'm sitting here in Cincinnati, I, I go back and remember, you know, the year that was supposed to be the year for the Bearcats and in the conference tournament when Kenny and Martin blows out, breaks his leg. You know, he is gone. I mean, the committee just completely, completely dumps all over the Bearcats. They went from a number one to like a, a six or a seven, knocked out in the second round. I mean, I, I started having those feelings like this this, it, this whole thing's going to unravel. But then I remembered, man, we're not just about that one player. We are stacked. We've got a legit lineup. So I, I kind of got over that disappointment early, and I was let down that the rest of the team couldn't recover, and, and that the Tar Heels were so 
you know, easily give it to, you know, hand us our ass here. I thought it was kind of funny that even like the, the Tar Heel faithful and all the Duke haters, they didn't even come out. They were just like, oh, yeah, that sucks, man. You lose Zion 36 seconds into the game. Um, and, and the way that Coach K kind of explained it, uh, Coach K even seemed like he was giving these guys a pass, which is very un-Coach K-like because he even came flat out and said, this completely changed the game plan. We, there was no way that they were in any way prepared to go into that game without Zion. Well, then again, you know, maybe this falls on Coach K himself. I mean, you've got to be prepared for all these situations. And especially, I mean, this isn't, you know, this isn't a team that is a one-man show. I mean, we're talking about four guys that are, you know, could go first round. We're talking about three that could be lottery picks. I mean, they needed to be able to regroup on the fly and put up. I'm not saying you go win this game, but not to be embarrassed like this, you know, by your rival, North Carolina, who, you know, who we had their ups, ups, true ups and downs this year. I mean, they have taken some shellackies. Right, Carolina so, could still end up a one seed. They have taken some shellackies <laughs> for from some teams that are much worse than Duke without Zion. Yeah, that's that's for absolute certain. Uh, one of the big topics that's going around right now around the water cooler is: Would you play if you were Zion? Obviously, this scare this this is a, a tens of millions of dollars decision. And I know we talked about it off air shortly after it happened. And you asked me if it was your kid, would you let him play? And I said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. This kid is a surefire number one pick in the NBA draft. He has a grade one knee sprain. There's no chance I'm going to let him try to aggravate that thing in March. But it sounds like he's going to play. Well, from all indication, they're not shutting him down. He wants to go. Coach K's on board with it. University's on board with it. His family's on board with it. You know, but I, I'd say that's all that, that's, that's the right thing to say right now. You got to keep everyone on their toes. You don't shut him down right now. Even if you're going to pull him back a little bit here, you know, at the end of the regular season into the conference tournament, maybe he's not getting all those minutes, but you got to, I think you got to keep a, a really tight leash, you know, on that situation. You know, if he's starting to show any kinds of wear and tear, you've got to go ahead and pull him and pull the trigger on this thing and just say, you know, going forward, going forward, team. He, he's not he's he's not going to be a part of this thing. Yeah. And I guess as long as you're like internally, they're prepared at any moment. He He's not going to be there. You know, the exact opposite of what we saw against Carolina, where they even they openly, as you said, they openly admit that, hey, we, we just weren't prepared to go forward without him. And they're going to have to be ready for that now at any point, which, you know, as you're preparing, especially you get into the, you know, this conference term, the ACC conference tournament is one of the best in the country. You're going to have people gunning for you as you're shooting for a one or a two seed now going into March madness. You, you know, how much, how does that change the dynamic as you're preparing? Okay. We've got, we've got our game plan and we have a sub game plan, a sub A. You know, it's funny because there's three teams inside of the ACC right now that are looking at being a number one seed. Two of them might get number one seeds. There's no way all three of them are. No, I, it, that would be you know an unprecedented move that we're that we're not going to see anywhere. Uh, but definitely, you could see two ones and a two. Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, Duke does recover from the loss to Carolina. They come back and beat Syracuse inside of the Carrier Dome, seventy-five, sixty-five, in front of thirty-five thousand people. 
that place was rocking. And let me tell you, they love their orange up in Syracuse. And especially that game, that was Coach Beheim's first game, the first big public appearance since the horrible accident that he had up there on the highway. Syracuse wanted to come in and get that win. Zion's out, and I thought, oh, God, this is a recipe for disaster. Duke comes back, gets the big win, 75-65. Well, you know, as, as you said, they, they want to be there for Coach Payhan. What a just a, an odd situation. Crazy story. Individual just out on the highway, and, and, and Coach hits him, uh, takes the man's life. And, and you just can't imagine how that would affect you, you know, having to move forward from that. But, hey, you know, he's got he's got a big job. He's got to regroup his team. They're there to support him. Uh, the faithful, the faithful, you know, they, they flock to the arena to share their report. But plus, you know, it's Duke. So they're going to fill this place. And they they play Duke strong every time out. You know, they were looking for that big win there. They, they knew Duke is coming in hurting. Uh, but Barrett, you know, who, you know, people have overlooked here because of, of how special of a player Zion is. Barrett isn't getting, you know, maybe that spotlight that, that he has earned. You know, when he came to Duke here, but let's not forget this guy is, you know, is arguably second or third best available in this upcoming draft for the NBA. Well, and that kind of brings up the next question that I had for you here. Can RJ actually overtake Zion as the number one pick? Let's say you are the New York Knicks and you're sitting there, they're number one on the board and you've got Zion and you've got RJ. If RJ leads Duke to a national championship, is it as clear cut as it seems right now? And we're saying he goes all the way to the national championship. I, I don't even see a situation. I really can't see a situation where he would take that number one spot. I mean, we're talking about someone in Zion that is such a unique individual, you know, a once in a generation, if you will. Someone, you know, that reminds you so much of a Magic Johnson, of a LeBron James. You just can't pass that up. Okay, but here, let me let me throw this at you, all right? One of these guys goes for 23 points a game, averages seven and a half boards, and has four assists. The other guy averages 21.6 points a game, eight boards, and two assists. Which one would you rather have? Well, I know that the, your top numbers there, they are better because his numbers are better because he is not being targeted. And, and you have to look, too, at how things transfer. With Zion that can truly play every position on the floor, get up and down, good in transition, can go to the outside, you know, can slash through that lane, can work your boards. Again, he, he has all of those tangibles. He can do everything that you're going to be looking for in the NBA. He, he's one of those generational players. You know, we're also hearing this thing that is going to greatly affect Duke, and Coach K fought against it forever. And, of course, we're talking about the one-and-dones. The way things are phrased right now inside of the NBA league rules, you have to be 19 in order to go to the NBA, which is why you have seen all of these one-and-dones and this infiltration, this cancer on college basketball that has taken place over the last 20 years. But now, evidently, Adam Silver, I was always under the impression he wanted to up it to 21, but now it sounds like he wants to lower it to 18 so he can go back to the days of LeBron James and Kobe Bryant coming directly out of high school into the NBA. Now, when you hear LeBron James and Kobe Bryant, people go, oh, well, yeah, of course, those guys should be NBA players. But for every one of them, there's about 15 other guys who are already out of the NBA and should have went to college for at least two years. 
Well, yeah, your problem is, as you said, you know, for your, your Kobe's and your LeBron's, and we're seeing even people that leave after one year. For every maybe four success stories, there's 25 that are ultimate failures. Yep. Now is, but you know, as is if you're a huge fan of college basketball, I think you would either, you know, if it's going to be stuck at this one year, then go go back to the 18. Let them go straight through. I think now on the college end, which was this so difficult of it, you know, if you're going to commit to that college, then you, you should be there for an extended, you know, until, you know, three, four years, or there should be something to hold you back. But, you know, unfortunately, I mean, the, the world we live in America, you can't really prevent someone from going out there if they're capable of, you know, performing on that level and making a career for themselves. It's really hard to argue against. Who in the hell is going to want to go to college if you can go to the NBA, play NBA ball for two years and make $5 million? Uh, nobody. I mean, nobody. The, the, it just kills college basketball. Yeah, and, and we've seen it. You you have these super teams. I mean, look at all, you know, what Kentucky, what, what Calipari has built himself on. He's known as that. He's the one-and-done coach. Yep. Yeah, Coach K fought I mean, it for years, and now he's finally embraced it. Well, you had to. He he has to evolve with it or it would have passed him by. Yeah. You know, we wouldn't be sitting, you know, talking about, you know, the great, his greatness over the last decade if he hadn't embraced this thing. That's a valid point. Uh, so let's take a look at, at the polls here. Uh, right as things stand right now, you're one through four, Gonzaga at 27 and two, Virginia at 24 and two, Duke at 24 and three, Kentucky at 23 and four. Rick, I laid out the schedules for all these teams and what they've got remaining here. Of all of them, Duke by far has the hardest road to maintain that number one seed. I would agree, and I, but I think, you know, when this committee's looking at something like that, they're going to take that into consideration. You know, we've had this conversation before where you haven't been sold on them for a while. I think they're, you know, they are among the elite in the country, Gonzaga here. You know, looking at, you know, their strength of schedule this year, they're obviously they got that one big win. You know, when you're looking at that committee, they beat Duke, although that was early in the year. It's out in Hawaii. I don't give it so much merit. Uh, they get that big win, which was really the, first, the shocker of the college basketball season that anyone was going to get Duke. They, they've got this easy road here. I just don't think that they really belong in that conversation. Virginia is such a great team, uh, you know, but, you know, they win out here. Duke's got them twice. What really scares me when we're talking about these teams in the, in this top four, man, I think Kentucky is so hot. I think they might, they might be the best team in the country right now. The one thing that is working against Kentucky is I'm looking at that at Tennessee. And I think that is going to be a huge game. Kentucky took out Tennessee 86 to 69. And it, it wasn't even close. We talked about that game last week where Kentucky just came out and wiped the floor with them. I think it's going to be a different situation when they get to Tennessee on the ball's home floor. I think, you know, if Kentucky goes in there and wins by 10, I think they deserve they stand, a one seed. I think, I think they stamp a one seed. I mean, they, they have stamped their number one seed going to that dance. Regardless of what happens in the SEC tournament? If, if, you know, if Tennessee gets them in this inside of the SEC tournament, does that take Kentucky out of a one seed? Uh, no, I, I think that too. As long as, long as it's another dominant, you know, ten or ten or more, I think I think that works in their favor. Uh, I, you know, but we're talking about Tennessee too. You know, they're playing with themselves. I could see them dropping. You know, they're looking with another loss to Kentucky regular season. You know, going to a three, they lose three times to Kentucky. They could find themselves at a four or five. Uh, so you know, they're treading treading lightly here this is kind of you know 
we all say nothing matters until March, and we're we're staring at March here. It's at the end of the week. We've got to wrap up this regular season. The regular season, this is where it matters. It's intensifying. These conference tournaments are going to determine the seeding so much. Uh, and then we got March Madness. This is where it gets interesting. This has been that long haul from all the way back in early November, what, October, that we've been waiting for. This is one of the greatest times of the year for, for, for you know, not professional sports, just for sports in general. Two other teams I wanted to talk about. Uh, one of them from our, our home in Big Ten country, Michigan State. You look up and all of a sudden the Spartans are good. Izzo's got that team clicking on all cylinders. They take down Michigan. They've got the bragging rights. Do you buy Michigan State? It doesn't matter any year what their record is. You have to buy Michigan State come tournament time. Because Izzo has his team ready. He's one of the all-time greats, especially with the active coaches. They get a nice, they get a nice seed. You give them an opening to get a couple wins, you know, get a couple wins under them in this thing, and they can make a deep run at any time. Well, what terrifies you, if you are an anti-Michigan State, if you're an anti-Big Ten person, you've got Virginia, you've got Duke, and you've got UNC all in the top five. Of course, there's the ACC tournament. Duke and UNC still play each other. Michigan State could end up with a number one seed if they end up running the Big Ten tournament. Of course, Michigan's going to be looking for them inside of the tournament. But like you said, man, I never bet against Izzo in March. I don't think – I mean, they'd have to put on a show to grab a number one. They, I think even right now, winning out, they're almost a stretch for it. I think that gets them up to a two. Yeah, but teams I in think, front of them are going to get beat. I, I know that. I just think they're good with two. I think they're going to end up here with at least six, seven losses. Wow, crazy. Uh, Tennessee, of course, losers to two of the last three. And then at number eight, we have Houston. Here we go again with UCF. We did it in football. Now we're going to do it with Houston playing basketball. Their biggest win this year, Huckleberry, was your Cincinnati Bearcats. That's their biggest win on the freaking schedule. And you want me to buy Houston as a top eight team? Put them in the ACC. Well, I think you know, this is a beautiful... Well, this is a beautiful thing about college baseball. We don't have the, you know, we don't have this argument in college football. You know, you get an opportunity here. You know, they're going to probably get with that record. What do you think to be sitting at, at three? With that record as it stands right now, I think they're going to give them a two seed. I don't know. I don't know the committee would go that high. I think they would give them a three. That gives them an opportunity to go beat a two, show that they deserve to be a two. Hey, and it, this is this is what makes college baseball so great. You know, you get 68 teams that can go out there and make a point. Now, if you're one of our wrestling fans and you just happen to be listening to the sports show and you're going, what's the difference between a two seed and a three seed? There's a huge freaking difference. There's a huge freaking difference. If nothing else, psychologically, there is a huge difference. And I guarantee you that if they make them a two seed, they're going to stick them in the worst region. They're going to make Houston go all the way to like the greater Northwest and go visit the copy paste guy. Well, you know, that's another thing, even when we're talking about who's going to claim these ones, you know, you, you hate to be one of these Eastern teams and oh, sure. We're going to give you a one, but you're heading west. out West. Yep. They do it every year. Uh, let's talk a little bit of NFL. Well, kind of. I almost feel like we should have got Seth Kennedy to come on the show and explain all of this to us. Robert Kraft has been charged with two counts of misdemeanor, first-degree solicitation in 
Florida. Uh, Huckleberry, I feel like the media is making this thing out to be much bigger than what it really is. It, the way it sounds to me, this thing is probably going to end up with a little bit of a fine, maybe some community service. Even the worst possible case scenario, Robert Kraft goes to jail for all of a year. But yet it's still leading the national news stories all throughout the country. And more importantly... I don't even care about the legal process here because the only law that I'm concerned with doesn't pay any attention to the law, and that's Roger Goodell, and Roger Goodell hates Bob Kraft. There is a conspiracy against the Patriots, and we just handed Goodell the freaking silver key. Here's what I don't get. Why is the story – why is anyone talking about this? Why is anyone surprised about hearing about a Patriot trying to release – some ease from a couple of balls. But Why is anybody surprised well, that a 70-year-old man with a 30-year-old girlfriend is trying to hire an Asian massage parlor hooker? I mean, come on. Who cares? I, I like how you threw out there, 30-year-old girlfriend. Okay, he's, he's, he's cruising a brand-new Bentley, and he's going to get a $30 handy. Yeah. And I, here's what I really love about it. He, he, he just nonchalantly pulls right on up front. Parks up front, strolls through the door. So he, this isn't his first rodeo. This is a regular establishment for him. Now his his legal team, uh, his lawyer, they've already come out and said that he has he has committed no crimes. He has done no wrongdoings here. Uh, they've they've filed a conjunction to, to make sure that any footage that the authorities have obtained is is kept confidential. He's set for uh, court. We're here April twenty fourth, so we're looking at that at there. Right about draft time. <laughs> hey, well, how much how much uh, shift do you think he's going to be taking this week at the combine? Oh man, could you imagine the ribs going on inside of the Patriots organization right now? Yeah, so I I don't know. You know, to me, this seems like well, let's see. Like here, this was a, a a licensed massage parlor. Yep. Uh, the two the two operators actually had their license there. Uh, both, I guess, just always kind of comes up in these measures because they're worried about trafficking and i guess there is some potential there for that uh which does make this more of a serious issue but that again that again is what this headline has scared everyone because you say patriots owner bob craft sex trafficking but they're only two are linked it's patriots and owner bob craft he, he has nothing to do with the sex trafficking they I think that they've only found that these messages we'll be right back and we're back yeah, Twitch doesn't like us talking about everything going on with Robert Kraft. Oh, had, had to take a had to take a, a break there and get a release in, in honor of old Bobby up there getting them thirty dollar handies. But yeah, yeah, I mean he needs a little release. You know, his life is stressful. He's running this this tremendous empire, this dynasty, and everyone hates him. I mean, you got to go somewhere to find love, and sometimes you got to pay for it, right? You would think, and that's kind of the way it sounds. Evidently, his 30-year-old girlfriend's not enough. Uh, let's talk about some more Patriot news. Well, kind of, by association. Uh, Antonio Brown. We, we've been hearing that the Patriots, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe uh, in, in for making a play for either Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham Jr. Well, now we know it's not going to be Antonio Brown, as the Steelers have come out and said that we're not going to trade him inside of the AFC North. And we're not trading him to the Patriots. We prefer to move him to an NFC team. Uh, Rick, what I am hearing, a whole whopping three of the 31 teams eligible 
for to to get a hold of the Steelers to get Antonio Brown. Three teams have reached out to the Steelers. Is there really that much value in Antonio Brown at this point? Well, I, you know, you're looking at this. He signed an extension here a couple years ago, so they're going to be inheriting that. Uh, let's see. They're going to be inheriting I think he's got one year left on this extension. So you're looking at somewhere around 42.5. I don't know if they're going to have to eat any of that like it has guaranteed. And you start looking at some cap space here, the, the almost – does he still fit the fit the mold as a number one for most of these teams, you know, that are out there? Nine years into the, the league, nine years. Into, he's got an incredible resume. I know you were kind of you were talking about his draft position and we're you know kind of using that to measure his value. I didn't buy so much into it because you know we've got almost a decade in the league. I mean, he's got an incredible resume. I mean, we could go on and on and all of these stats, but you know, it's always it comes up to what have you done for me lately. Uh, and lately he's been a part of, you know, a struggling team where he's been one of the people that they're pointing at as a problem for that. Well, I, so are I think, you, are you taking, are you bringing on a prima donna? I mean, is he, are you going to have those legs under him? We've seen this before where you have someone in his prime like that that tries to go make the switch to their team. It kind of falls apart. I think you misinterpret my, my bringing his draft position up. He was the sixth round pick when the Steelers finally got him, right? This is a, for me anyway, this is a case of buy low and sell high. So you got him for a six round pick. You had him for a decade. He gave you 11,000 yards and 74 touchdowns. If you want to give me a third round pick, I will give you Antonio Brown just so I don't have to deal with his bullshit anymore. Like just to get him out of my building. If there's only three teams interested, you give me a third round pick. He's freaking your San Francisco. Have at it. Well, I, you know, I, I know what you were saying there. You know, if you can just, just after a year, we've got all, we got every, everything that he's given us. I mean, he was pro baller in his second year. Yeah. Absolutely. He went over, he went over, he went over a thousand yards receiving and returning. I mean, so right there. I mean, that's your bang for your buck right there for a six rounder. And then he's got all, he's, he's a seven time pro bowler, four time first team all pro. I mean, it goes on and on Super Bowl appearances. Led, you know, he's a leader of your team at this point. Anything to do to cut the headache and hopefully get some cash on the back end with, with, I almost, you know, a fourth, a fourth rounder, that'd be fine with me. But, you know, I think, I think that that with the Steelers letting us know, Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll trade you. We're going to give into your demands here, but they're going to be under our conditions. That right there tells you that they still see a lot of value in him. They don't want him going to Baltimore and coming back and biting him in. Yes. They don't want the, you know, the red hot Cleveland Browns. Him going over there and coming back and haunting them. They would rather even see him out of this division, yep. you know, if they can. Yep. Um, I, I'm here in San Francisco. That seems like one of the most logical landing spots. You know, they're looking for weapons for Jimmy Garoppolo. It's a very winnable division when you, I mean, there's the Rams thing, but eventually they're going to have to pay Jared Goff and that's going to completely change the way the Rams look. I think San Francisco would actually be a pretty good fit. Well, you look at – I know he's come out and said, you know, he wants an, an established locker room. You know, he wants to come in and have a chance to compete right away. And, and I know when you say the San Francisco 49ers, a lot of people freak out. Like, what are you talking about? Man, they're, they're – like, what are they, like second or third in the draft? Yep. Yeah, but they also haven't had their stud quarterback. They're in the middle of putting together a whole new team out no, there. Well, that's what I'm – Agreed. You know, they're reloading out there. And I like what you mentioned. You know, you might not get the Rams, but, you know, next year you're playing one of the easiest 
schedules, and you've got the other two teams in the division. So you've got an easy schedule. Hopefully get four wins there. You could easily get into the playoffs. Yep. Yeah. I, they, they, they could real easily be one of those worst to second place teams. I mean, if you, if, you, if you can pick off Seattle twice, get Arizona twice, you've, you're going to have one of the easiest schedules in the league. You can advance to the playoffs. Yep. I, I don't know. You know if, if that's something. I think he might want something a little better. Uh, what are the other two that are? We don't know. We've just heard that there's okay, three I, teams I being rumored. That's that's what I kept hearing, uh, that they haven't really told us who's in contact or what the offers are. Uh, I thought maybe, and I know they're, they're strapped on cap room up there, but I wouldn't be surprised if Rodgers is trying to make a pitch. I, that one, I think, ends up being Michael Crabtree. Michael Crabtree seems like a much better fit in Green Bay. He was released by Baltimore yesterday. I absolutely expect Michael Crabtree to end up a Green Bay Packer. I, I definitely I like that. Uh, let's talk about Bryce Harper as we wrap things up today. Uh, at least as of this second, Bryce Harper has not signed anywhere. Now, Monday I was hearing that this was all but a done deal, that he was going to Philadelphia. And then on Tuesday, I heard that the Dodgers were jumping into this thing, but the Dodgers deal was a bit different, and now I'm understanding why. And then last night, out of the middle of nowhere... In comes the Yankees, Cashman making that last second pitch. Well, Rick, here's what's going on. Everybody is assuming that Bryce Harper is going to sign for $350 plus million for 10 years. That's not what Bryce Harper wants. Bryce Harper wants a three-year deal. And the reason so, uh, he, he wants a three-year deal is because the collective bargaining agreement is up in three years, and then he can make even more freaking money, and we can do this whole damn thing over again. So, I mean, so if you're in that three years, max out, break down almost what he would gain. The, it, obviously, you're going to have to get some kind of cut, but give him a, a fair chunk of what he would get in those first three years of that. Uh, you know, you, you look at a team that can seriously compete, I mean, the Phillies are a little bit away. I know they went to spend a lot of money there, but you got the Dodgers and Yankees that, that are right there on the cusp. You got to think, you know, even to build a legacy, even if you're there for a little bit, you know, if he can go to New York and win championships when that collective bargaining agreement's up, that's just going to skyrocket his price tag. Yep. And it sounds like that's really the holdup is – they're eyeballing Scott Boris is his agent and anybody who follows professional sports knows that he is, well, as Rondi Rousey would call him a douche. Um, and he's going to drive up the price as high as he possibly can. If he thinks he can get a better deal in three years, I mean, Bryce Harper's what 26, he'll only be 29 at that point. He could still sign a 10 year deal, but you could be talking. I've heard upwards of like, Four hundred and eighty million dollars. Oh, that's you know I, the number I saw. If he could even reach it, would it be five hundred. Good God Almighty! It's too much, man. It's too much. And I tell you, as a Yankees fan, three-year deal. Okay, I can get behind that. We did the ten-year deal thing once. I don't want to do that again. I we were ready to move out of a Rod's deal after year three. Hey, at least you're not in New York, the, the Mets. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. Um, pop moment of the Oscars, by the way. Samuel L. Jackson informing Spike Lee that the Knicks actually won a game. Have you heard that audio? Uh, I don't listen to anything that has anything to do with the Oscars. Oh, that was fantastic. Spike or er, uh, 
Samuel L. came out to present an award, and before they got started, he was like, I just want to let you know, Spike, the Knicks have snapped their 18-game home losing streak tonight. And then they proceeded with the show. It was absolutely hilarious. The place erupted. The one game Spike's not at, the Knicks actually win. Serves him right. At least he got an Oscar. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's edition of HTM Sports. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. RBV, where do the peeps, the freaks, the geeks, and the Cleveland Browns find you? Well, you know, I want to I want to get on you about something about today's show. You're always, you're always giving me, giving me crap about, you know, my love for reality television. This run was filled with reality based television. We got an old man getting a handy. We've got an ugly breakup in Pittsburgh and we got Bryce Harper playing the bachelor reality television at its finest today. Hashtag HTM sports. Find me Rick Vickery across all social media at the real RBV. That might be the most witty thing that you have said in two years worth of podcasting. We'll talk to you Friday over at hittingthemarks.podbean.com for the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Stay tuned for Wrestle Pop with Robin Nelson. We've got Turnbuckle Talk coming up. Somehow the MPW Hustle guys got a hold of my credit card, and they've been just going to freaking town. I'm going to have to cancel them. The PW Hustle, that, that, that just can't happen. We're going to have to take care of that. We'll talk to you Friday at HTM PW Pod for now. We're off like a prom dress. See ya! Imagine that. Cortez spend another people's money. <laughs>